be passionate about the journey. Have somebody, if you don't know, if you're not a figures person, have somebody that is, and then know your bloody why, because that's why you get out of bed. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, depending on where you listen, when you're listening to this. I've got Barry Olson with me today, and this has been an interesting conversation that we've had in the pipeline for a little while. So how you can double your revenue using a systemic approach to your business. And, and we're going to look at this from, from really three parts and maybe a curveball fourth part, fourth part at the end. So part one, we're going to look at practices. Part two, we're going to look at associates and how associates can do the same thing. And the third is how you make that switch from associate to principal and if you if you're making that journey and, and and i've got quite a few things that i want to discuss on that as well and then the fourth one will be um like i said a curveball that i'll throw at the end if, if we've got time for it i'm gonna hand over to barry barry let everyone know who you are hi <laughs> i'm barry i am um i'm a dentist who loves i love my dentistry i i am the creator of confidence through helping people achieve their dream smile that's what i do for a living um, and I am also, and soon to be full-time, a dental business coach. Uh, and my unique ability is to typically help dentists double their revenue over a 12-month period. And associates, a bit shorter than that. Amazing. I mean, it's, it's, it, it's such a powerful tagline to say you can help people double their revenue. And it's that's probably why I've got no hair on my head, Barry, because I'm constantly pulling it out, is... And, and, I, and I use this stat constantly, and people are going to get bored of it, is there's 55 million people over the age of 18 in, in the UK, and there's 42,000 dentists approximately. So we're looking at approximately 1,300 people per dentist in the UK. If you never learned how to sell, and I, and I, and I use sell in, in bit massive inverted commas because it's not about selling, it's about presenting the right treatment and the right options to the, to the patient, and, make, and so they're allowed to make an informed decision. But, but that is a form of selling the same way I sell my services, but you know, we, 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 we do that eth ethically. So no one really teaches dentists how to sell. So you're, you're at the mercy of the practices you work at, your chair is, you know, you're a subcontractor in a practice, you're a franchisee as it were, and someone else puts that, puts that patient in your chair and you, you, you pay the dental practice a franchise, franchise fee for the service. For the marketing they do, for 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 the for the support staff, for everything that happens, you pay your fifty percent, sixty percent, whatever it is you pay to the practice, and you take you you take your bit home. Now you you might be operating as a sole trader, you might be operating as a limited company, but beyond those costs, beyond the split you've given to the practice, you don't really incur any additional costs, other than things like you know your your overhead costs, your being like your mobile phone, your indemnity, your GDC registration, and any training courses you go on. But you don't really do anything beyond that. So you're not doing any active marketing. You're not doing anything to bring that patient in your chair. Now, we've got practice owners who have become practice owners somewhat by accident. And we've got associates who are wanting to become practice owners because the well-trodden path that we hear time and again is, I'm, I'm currently a dentist. I make £100,000 a year. I would like to go buy a dental practice and I'll probably make the same £100,000 a year, but I'll keep paying down my debt for the next 15 years and then... I've got a saleable asset at the end, and that just forms part of my, my retirement strategy. If I do well along the way, and you know, with the likes of inflation, and you know, maybe some marketing works, and I'll make some more money, and I'll sell it for more than I paid for it, and I'll make some more profit along the way. But when people make that step, the thing that they generally admit when they're reading the financial statements is, this practice makes £100,000. I make £100,000. That's cushy. However, £100,000 from a, from a business perspective, 
from a from a dental practice perspective is not the same as an associate making 100 grand because out of that 100 grand profit you've now got to pay your debt repayments back so if you've bought a practice for seven hundred thousand pounds your debt repayments are going to be the interest on that debt repayments might be two thousand pounds a month so two thousand pounds a month is is claimed as an expense the other twenty four thousand pounds comes after tax so straight away your hundred thousand pound that you earned as a principal is no longer hundred thousand pounds so you're left with seventy six thousand pounds but out of that seventy six thousand pounds you've now got to go you might need to go buy new machinery you might need to go buy new equipment you might need to go buy new bits of tech, something like that to help the practice run. That doesn't appear on the profit and loss. So that might be another 50 grand spent. So that 100 grand is now really only 26,000 pounds in your pocket. So from a dental practice perspective, it's cash is king. We need to look at cash flow, not accounts, not profit. Profit's irrelevant. We need to look at cash flow. How, how can we, whatever we buy the asset we have currently, how do we grow that revenue? And mm. it's usually at that point, because I can't help them do that. I can go through the numbers, I can go through the different permutations, I can talk about the profitability, but I can talk about the things that they, um, the, the treatments that work well for them, their pricing, I can go through all of that, but the thing I can't do is help drive patients into their chair. If I could do that, I'd go with my own dental practice. Um, bar the fact that I'm not a dentist, but I'll do it under the wife's, is how do you drive patients? Now, from a very personal perspective, when I set my accountancy practice up, I had, had the same challenge that says, well, I had, I had a very different challenge because people aren't crying out for the use of an accountant. You almost have to tell people that they need an accountant and we don't work like other accountants. So I've got to talk about my USP, which is why I do a lot of social media marketing, which is why I do things like this. So people know the, the services that I offer and what I'm about, and what I can do. So it's a constant moving feast for me and from a marketing perspective. And it's not advertising, it's marketing because the goal for me is to keep telling people what I'm about so they can see what, see, see what I offer. So when we talk to, dent when we talk to dentists, and the the revenue they generate they, they that's when they hit a stumbling block is well, i don't know and you you talk to them about what's worked and they'll they'll talk about short-term things like i've run an open day that worked really well but if you actually look at open days they have a long-term detrimental impact to your business because you start discounting and it drives the wrong patient and then you're always constantly focusing on price and never focusing on value so Barry, how, how do we double revenue? So it's it's a big claim, it's a bold claim, but it's one you it's it's a path you've you've gone down yourself, isn't it? Quadrupled mine. Quadruple your revenue. I mean, right. I'd say quadruple, but I don't want to come across as a bit of a dickhead because it's entirely achievable. And by the way, um, what you you mentioned there that when you talk to dentists is that you can't drive patients into the practice. I help my clients. So what I did was to quadruple without any external marketing for eighteen years. Fantastic. So um, when you when you talk about marketing, it's the it's the area. I, in fact, I had this thing on Facebook. I, I posted I've got a client who has uh, I've got some ideas for her, but she started a squat and she's come to me 12 months down the line and she needs new patients. Um, and so I I've actually reached out to the community to say, hey, I've got a client. She's got a practice in London to squat needs new patients, who would you recommend uh, in terms of marketing and strategy and why? Um, because I'd like to get other people's thoughts on it. <clears throat> One of the comments was, well, you teach this stuff, don't you? Why, why are you posting this? And my response was, so I, my unique ability is to help people to double their turnover with what they've already got, with their existing patient base my quadrupling of mine was achieved without any marketing for over 18 years 
external marketing is not my strong point. Sure, I've got some ideas. Sure, I've got some thoughts on what I would do and how I do things differently and how I help my clients. But that's not my unique ability. I didn't spend 18 years doing it. So how do we double turnover without externally marketing? It's actually really simple. It's not easy to implement, but it is simple to understand. Uh, and it's a number of things, right? It's systemizing. It's having a systemized approach, particularly to the um, first sections of the patient journey. It's nurturing your patient journey so that it is redefining what a five-star journey is. It's having a six-star patient journey where your patients are genuinely blown away by the care, the love, the attention that they get. The dentistry is utterly irrelevant so long as it's good enough, right? You can't have crap dentistry. You can't have things failing and not working and patients being in pain. I mean, that's just not going to work. But you don't need 10 out of 10 dentistry. And most dentists spend fortunes getting the quality of their dentistry from 8 out of 10 to 10 out of 10. Very few dentists make any effort to change their communication, their sales ability, their building rapport from what is typically a 4 or 5 out of 10 to get it beyond 7. It's really hard in dentistry to F it up. I'm being very polite there. Most dentists make an income yeah. Dis despite their limiting beliefs, which are huge, despite their general inability to consciously know how to sell, how to pitch, how to talk. We accidentally make a reasonable income because it's really hard to F it up. Yeah. It's therefore really hard to motivate a dentist to recognize or to do anything about the fact that they could be doing so much better. So my job is actually relatively easy because once I show them our systemized approach to our patient journey, and once they implement it, it can't do anything but succeed. Um, so we're not looking, you know, the old way of thinking about being self-employed and being time-based people price, Oh, I'm, I'm 400 pounds an hour. I, I do not work on an hourly rate. If you were to extrapolate it out as the mothership, cause I sold to a corporate, if you extrapolate it out, I think they priced me out about 680 pounds an hour. I, I don't care what my hourly rate is. I care what my daily production is. And I am a four between a four and a 6,000 pound a day dentist. I have this conversation with, 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 with dental practices and, and associates constantly and yeah they're so they're so obsessed with their split of revenue that they will shoot themselves in the foot but would you <laughs> yeah. rather not have a smaller cut yeah. would you rather 40 percent of 300 grand would you want 60 percent of 100 grand they're so, so we obsessed were, with the percentage we were, we were recruiting a specialist for implant um a specialist um maxillofacial surgeon dual qualified right him and his buddy they they do stuff together and so they both came you know, I don't own the practice anymore, but but I've got to tell you that um, you're on 45%. And one of them, both of them, devilishly handsome, which is annoying to begin with. But one of them went, well, no, I we get 50%. I went, well, it's 45%. Well, I, I don't think I could do that. I said, okay, that's I understand your point. Um, let me ask you a question. Would you prefer to get 45% of 200,000 this year, or do you want 50% of 100? And he went, well, I want 
I said, I think you're missing the point. You know, when you come to this practice and you work with me under our systems, you will generate so much more in terms of revenue that 45% of that revenue is likely to be double what you would get 50% elsewhere. Anyway, he couldn't get it. So I didn't hire him. I hired his mate who is utterly amazing and is killing it, you know, and he's making a flipping fortune. Why? Because he understands that, you know, realistically his job is to be amazing with the patients, to be kind, gentle, delicate, brilliant at placing implants and leave everything else to us. So so how does a practice working with you achieve that, that doubling of revenue? How, How do we get there? What does that journey look like? Because it, it's, it's it's not so much bizarre. Because when I when I do the calculations on um, how much practice should be making, I I will start with a very 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 reserved estimate: two thousand two hundred fifty pounds per surgery per day over fifty weeks. I, I think the majority of practices aren't making that. No, no, they're not. They're not making anywhere near that. So that they're they're the reason why I think like that is. One of the jobs I did before was was throughput analysis at a logistic company that says your your site your machinery can put through this many parcels an hour. Therefore, you should be able to unload a couple of trucks and get all your parcels out within that time frame. What we then do is we work backwards from that. This is we start with not not a theoretical maximum. Two two five is not a theoretical maximum. It's a line in the sand. But we work backwards from that. That then says, do you have the staff to achieve that? No. So we draw it down a bit. Do you have the systems in place to to achieve that? No. We draw it down a bit. Do you have the effective marketing and, and, and are you utilizing your diary space, your chair space enough to, to, to drive it? Then we draw it down a bit. So, so we start with an initial goal. So, so a lot of what we do with our dental practices is that goal setting and the financial planning and the, and the financial analysis. So what we can do is we can start by putting goalposts in that says, this is your revenue yeah. today. This is where I think you can be in 12 months. This is where this is, but this is what we're working towards. So when we're having that conversation about sole trader versus limited company, where we're saying, well, if you're on this growth journey, grow then we'll convert to a limited company because it's worth converting at the end because you're gonna have to invest along the way because as your systems get better as as your throughput gets better you'll need new equipment you'll need better machinery you'll need better chairs because all of it has a direct return on investment if i put a new chair in i can see 10 percent more patients that kind of thing so what we're looking at is a almost a systemic approach but i look at from a very financial perspective so how do we help dentists from or dental practices from the other side of it that says, Bilal says, this is what we're working towards. How does Barry yeah. now help them achieve that? Good. So let's, let's get uh, a couple of things out on the table. And that is in my younger days, um, my understanding was there was only two ways of making more money. When you're basing on an hourly rate, you either increase your hourly rate and you charge more for the items or services that you're doing yeah. or you work more hours. And in my early days of owning my main practice, um, I adopted that approach and I made myself ill. Uh, I had a two week holiday. Everybody knew that for the first three days I'd be sick. You know, I'd take my foot off the gas and I'd end up with man flu, flu like symptoms. Um, and what I've realized is that actually, uh, I work less and earn more but there's some key points in here. Number one, beautifully zoned diary. And my diary is zoned for production. It's not zoned for anything other than that. 
what, is, what think, do you mean by zoned? What, what, what does zoned mean? I have nine, minimum nine zones in the diary. That means that we have time carved out in the diary to do specific types of things. For example, oh. new patient slots, sacrosanct, first thing that go in, two a day. Um, we'll also have uh, sand, pebble, and rocks. They're the values of the treatments that they're producing today. So I'll have a minimum of two, maybe three hours of rock time per day. And nothing is allowed to be booked into that zone unless it's generating in excess of a thousand pounds of production. Now let's talk very briefly to explain production and collection. And let's say that your crown fees are 800 pounds. And, and that I am doing a, a crown fee and um, I'm doing a crown and two composites. So let's say that it's 800 plus 300, 1100 quid, right? Um, I'm going to prep that crown and do those two composites in, let's say, 50 minutes. Let's call it an hour. It's not for me, but let's call it an hour. Um, most people will calculate the money that's coming over the counter. Hmm. Now, if you've got a patient that's coming for a preparation and a fit, and you divide it up, you might get your patient to pay 550 on appointment one and 550 three weeks later on appointment two. For me, those two appointments, the production is 1,100 pounds for the first appointment and zero for the second. That makes sense. And what, yeah. and what that means is that production can go into a rock space and the zero can only go in sand. Hmm. Now, what that means is that I then have three hours a day where it's high productivity because as a dentist who grosses on average five grand a day, there are several things that need to happen. Number one is I need the time in order to do the work that grosses the five grand. I need the time to see the new patients that generate the work that generates the gross of five grand. And I need the time to review the patients and sell them the treatment because if I want to do five grand a day, we have to sell five grand a day. Yeah. So some of the zones are treatment planning. For most of my clients, it will be treatment presentation. I don't do any of the treatment presentation. I have a TCO, highly trained, unbelievable woman because I married her. Um, and our treatment, our treatment coordination, our TCO process is beautiful. So zones are emergency, examinations, reviews one of the biggest killers of uh, a successful dentist is being a successful dentist some of the people that earn the least are the ones that have been there the longest and the patients love them and they love the patients and they look at their diaries and it's wall-to-wall -wall exam recalls and they make zero money they suck the life out of them they start to lose their will to live and learn love of dentistry because it's bloody boring Forgive me if you are listening and you're a dentist that really loves to do recall exams. I would rather use these scissors on myself than do a day of recall exams. So maximum for me, hour and a half recall exams a day. So now, we've, so I've sort of done this by accident because my diary is open, open externally. So anyone can book into my diary. But I have certain slots for new business. I have certain slots for existing business. Then I have certain yeah. slots for paid consultations. I also have days you cannot book in because I have to go away and do the work. So yep. I still need, to, and then I have to leave enough room for emergencies. 
So clients can either use the diary and book in and schedule their meetings. If there's something they need very urgently, they can use one of the paid consultation links, depending on what it is, or they yep. can just message us and we can open up a slot for them. So we've sort of done this somewhat accidentally to get to that point. So what we've, what we've spoken about is how we can optimize our diary and get everyone on that message. The bit that I'm really interested in is the doubling a revenue bit, because that talks to a systemic approach. How do we get more people to book in? How do we get yep, people okay, to that, book we in? We don't. We don't. That's that's okay. the same that's the same mentality that's the same mentality of in order to earn more money I've got to see more people no in actual fact in order to earn more money you've got to see fewer people you just got to be doing more to each person and that's where yeah. that's where the systemized approach to dentistry comes in right so we have a comprehensive and I mean awesome knock your socks off comprehensive new patient evaluation um. The majority of that is done by other people. So I have a TCO that does the initial consult. They come upstairs. They have 22 photos taken by my nurse and an intraoral scan. I then come in, put on the Barry show, do the clinical exam, which is a co-pilot system, whether it's nurse-led. I will then um, talk about my traffic light system where we'll talk about things that must be done, could be done, be nice to be done. Red, amber, green, immediate preventative and elective. Um, that's already getting noted down by my TCO, who's in the examination with me. Then I will prescribe radiographs or any other additional things. I will bugger off and that's taken care of, right? Then at some point during my working week, which is three days, so I work Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, uh, and my average monthly gross is around 55. November was 73, which is crazy. No implants, no Invisalign. Um, I'm a, just a really good general dentist with brilliant systems. So then we'll sit and we'll treatment plan. We'll treatment plan three colored treatment plans, red, amber, green. And then my TCO will see the patient in her room for up to an hour and a half to present the options. Explaining things to the patient why, why when, when you're treating the decayed lower left six, which is fractured and needs to be crowned, why it's worth considering doing the seven and the five at the same time. Not essential because they're not diseased, they're not red, right? But they are orange, they are old, they're a little bit worn, a little bit knackered. And we take somebody that's, that chooses and elects to do one crown and with, with nurturing and understanding, 68% of our patients actually select to do the six, the five, the six and the seven which which more than approximately doubles that hourly rate which is eight times the profit because the fixed costs are the same yes so whilst we're doubling that revenue we're actually ramping up the profit anywhere between six and ten times averages about eight times the profit because for me to do one tooth bill out 40 minute preparation 30 minute fit for me to do two crowns and a filling, 50 minutes, because it's all yeah. the, the chat and the giving the local and the faffing around that takes time, not the actual burr on the tooth. So 50 minutes, 30 minutes to fit, it's more than double the hourly rate and it's 10x in the profit. Fantastic. So I, That's I've like not seen- It's almost like speccing a car though, isn't it? Huh? It's almost like specking a car, isn't it? So you go in and this is part of the Let's Talk Business podcast is, it's like specking a car. So I've got in to see Barry selling me a BMW. And you could say, Bill, 
you wanted this BMW, here's a BMW. And, we, and then the conversation just turns into price then, doesn't it? Then, then we're just arguing over, can you, get, can you sell it to me as cheaply as possible? But what you've just described there in my simple world is you're now telling me about gap insurance. You're now telling me about pain protection. You're, you're now telling me about um, the importance of maybe taking a, like for Porsche do this with their, with their take-ons, is take the performance battery plus because you get a better residual value on the other end of it and you get better range. Now, if I'm buying an electric car, I really want range because that's the thing that I can't control. So, but if I went in and said, I want this and someone sold me that, then that's 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 where the that's where it comes to trading hours for, for time, doesn't it? Because I think that's yeah. what almost everyone's guilty of is just doing what you're asked. But if you took the time and had a look beyond it, then you'd probably get more out of it. I tell you the best bit because you you're spot on, right? But the best bit is in the beginning in the conversations. I'm going to find out what your emotional driver is, and I'm going to find out because nobody wants a white smile. Nobody wants straight teeth. Nobody wants an implant. People go, what do you want? You go, white teeth. Bullshit. What you want is either the positive results that you think having a white smile will give you yes. or the avoidance of the negative results by not having a white smile would give you. It's usually connection, love, significance, and it's all embroiled into that, right? So when I find out, number one, what your emotional driver is, I feel juiced, buzzed, and motivated to serve you even deeper. But then what I'm going to ask you is I'm going to stick you in your metaphorical timeline. And I want to, how old are you, Bilal? I'm 37. So I want to find out how you envisage yourself, how you want to feel, how you want to be in terms of your dental health, appearance, and function when Bilal is 57. So I'm going to ask you to think down the line, see yourself as 57, successful business, family are doing really well, everything's great. What's important to you about, and then I'll ask you the 20-year question. Everything I then talk to you about moving forward is linked to the answer you gave me about the 20 years and the emotional driver that you want to have dentistry. Because I am the creator of confidence through the crafting of people's smiles. It's not dentistry, it's confidence, it's relationship. And that's why this systemized approach works in any relationship-based service-driven industry. And I think the, the key there is because I, I have a similar approach. So my background is working with, so working at a high level in finance, but working with non-financial people. So it's distilling complex financial concepts into something that they understand but also understanding why they should care about it. So what's in it for them? And, and I work backwards from that that says, I, I kind of know what they want to get to, but by having that rapport, by having that open dialogue before we've got into the numbers, I know what, what, what makes them tick. So whenever we're having consultations for our accounting clients is someone will say, bill out limited company versus sole trader. So if someone messages me and says, can you give me a price for X? I'll say no, because it really depends on what you want. Now, what we will say is booking for a discovery call book in you go through the system you you book in, uh, in into our in, into our diary and we'll have a chat now that that chat is not me giving you the information i just want to understand why so what are you trying to achieve what are you trying to do uh, you know if, if if you're a female dentist wanting to you know wanting to start a family then a limited company is probably not going to be the right thing for you if you're predominantly nhs because you're, you're then going to miss out on the maternity pay scheme now you might be able to split your income but understand well, what about your kids? So you want a kids, you, you want to have kids because they're really important in your life. But where do you see yourself in the fullness of time? So you're really at the nascent stages of your career. 
let's look at that side of your career that says where where would you like to be um when 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 we, when we all go meet our maker and we work backwards from that so um we do this a lot with our dental practices they say we want to increase our revenue why why do you want to increase your profit so why because i want more money but what would you do with it because there's only so much so much money you can spend but what do you want to do with it then then invariably it ends up with being kids now i'm it's really hard for me to talk about without getting emotional but my kids rule my world is if if anything came in the way of my relationship with my kids and it was professionally my kids would always win 100 percent of the time but everything that i'm gearing towards everything that i'm building is to set them up in the best possible way but i want to enjoy the journey and i i genuinely love what i do and, it, and i do it for the love of it and i think that's really important is when you're having conversations about serving value over time, you will sell at a higher price point because you're, you're now serving your patient's value. And going back to where I was saying right at the start is no one really teaches a dentist how to do this. So you'll do the training courses on how to do the best composite bonding or go, how, how to place in, uh, the, the Invisalign attachments in the best possible way, but you're never taught why. Why you do it? What's the benefit of doing it? And how do you convey those benefits? You get so stuck in the, the features of doing what you're doing, like, you know, sell me a pen. Well, it's clicky, it's blue, it writes in black and it does what it does. But if you sell, well, imagine you, you, you were, you were, you were writing this pen and you were signing the, the, the mortgage deed on your dream home, for instance, and you attach it, you attach the pen to that, that goal now. And then whenever you see the pen, you're thinking about the goal. It's old school, double glazing window salesman. But the, 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 the premise is the same is a, what is, what is the cost of not doing it? which is what you're talking about, which is if we're talking about my oral health in 50 years, the first thing that I thought about was my nan. My nan's no longer with us. Um, may God rest her soul is she had perfect teeth. She, she, had, she, she had all her teeth. They were perfectly aligned and then she never did anything to them. And whenever I think about my grandma, I think about her teeth. I think I remember them being fantastic. My older brother's got fantastic teeth that my bottom are, um, wonky i do a lot of social media do a lot of videos whenever i'm looking back at my videos i'm not listening to us i'm looking at my wonky bottom teeth and if someone asks me why i want invisalign it's because i just i don't want to look at my bottom my wonky bottom teeth when i'm doing videos and you've seen my videos I've, the, the camera's fairly close up i can't hide behind it so when we're talking from how you can double your revenue goes deeper than that though i know you're gonna make me cry barry i don't want to cry so we're we're it's talking about how we're talking about doubling revenue. So where we're talking about systemic approach of, of having, I think there's something that you said, which I want to drive into a bit deeper is we've got the systemic approach of how we can generate, uh, how we can zone our diary in a, in a very effective manner. We've yep. got the second bit that says, how do we, what we're not trying to do is flood the diary with loads of new patients to sell them and, and churn, churn the mill. What we're trying to do is sell, well, not sell, we're trying to convert at a higher level, but demonstrate value. So now we're selling value and we're selling outcomes as opposed to we're not selling whitening, we're not selling treatments, we're selling outcomes. And that's fantastic. There's something that you said that was really important, which is the cohesiveness of everyone within the machine. So you, you spoke about your receptionist qualifying, you spoke about your TCO, you spoke about your nurse, you spoke about yourself, you spoke, you spoke when you're asking questions, your TCO is already making those notes. There's a, that, that's a lot deeper that is that says, there's this goal congruence everyone's moving towards the same target so how, how do you help practices do that well because fundamentally we're not selling dentistry no. fundamentally um we're helping patients to achieve what it is that's important to them and part of the discovery uh, i get excited when i find out what's important to them 
But what's more important is that they get excited when they suddenly discover what's important to them because they didn't realize. Mm -hmm. So when I ask them what's important to them in 20 years, they give me all the information I need to motivate them. So if I want to motivate them into simple things like oral hygiene, if I had it today, right? Um, old lady, God bless her. Two people said it today, but, um, because I'm not going to be in that practice for much longer. This lady said, look, I, 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 you know how nervous I was and you just took care of me and I've been with you now for eight years and you taught me so much and I'm so indebted to you that everything's really healthy and everything you taught me. And I thought I didn't, I didn't teach her anything. Right. Mm -hmm. I didn't share information with her that other dentists hadn't when it comes to oral hygiene. But what it what it dawned on me, I actually recorded a short video for social. It dawned on me that by asking her what's important to her in the future and her saying, well, it's really important I keep my own teeth. I don't want to lose any. It's like, boom, that's all I need to encourage her to incidentally clean and to brush really well. I didn't teach her to incidentally clean. She'd already been shown that I didn't teach her to brush her bloody teeth. What I did is I invariably linked her emotional need and driver in 20 years to an action that I wanted to do today. And I didn't teach her. I just enabled her to damn well remember what it was that she's supposed to do. And that's because we're linking it to something that is intrinsically within them and an, an emotional need and emotional drive for what it is that we're providing. I'm not upselling them to anything. What I'm doing is, and I firmly believe this, the majority of British dentists are firefighters. Yes. Hello, Bilal, any problems? How are your teeth? I mean, shit questions that result yes. in really shit answers. Yeah, I'm fine. Yeah, no problems. Great. Flick, flick, flick. Have a look around. On you go. See you in six months. Question, Bilal, what's important to you in 20 years? Well, I want to make sure that I've got my own teeth. Uh, I don't like my crooked teeth. I don't like seeing myself on video. Why? Well, because I think they're unsightly. Why? What does that say about you? Well, I think I I'll might tell, be I'll tell, you, I'll tell you exactly what it is, is if my main demographic is dentist, I know they're looking at my teeth. Right. That, that it, it is. Is, is if So I, you're, if my you're telling me, you're telling me you want to look after my accounts. What does it say? To, what does it say about you as a cosmetic dentist that you've got crooked lower teeth? What do you think it might say? Yeah. Well, it means if he can't look after his teeth, he can't look after my accounts. Well, that's that's what you're telling yourself, right? Exactly. So, that's, exactly. so we're not straightening your teeth. We're saving your business. Yeah. We're saving your credibility, your professionalism. That's what it boils down to. Yeah. How, how frigging motivated am I now to look after you and get your teeth straight, white and beautiful? Because it's not straight, white, beautiful teeth. It's authenticity, it's integrity, and it's your business and it's walking the walk and talking the talk. This is the game of confidence. This is why I freaking love the job that I do because I have the ability to serve you in a much deeper way by saying to you, mate, I can sort that three, three to six months, easy. And that what I will level say, of investment. What I will say is a caveat this is, I do look after my teeth. And I can look after your business. It, this is this is how you. See, so, just, so that limiting back. belief, that limiting belief, God love you, is still in there. Because, okay, the people that are watching this already didn't need need to hear that because they already knew it. But there you go, right? We need to straighten your teeth for you, mate, because 
this is about serving you and your psyche and you wanting to to be your authentic self on camera and it's your fear that is worrying you about being your authentic self so screw what everybody else is thinking right now actually what's important is connecting you with you and so when i say to you um i have a plan for you that will that will mean that when you see yourself on social media you're like banging teeth look fantastic you won't you won't worry what other people are thinking even though other people aren't thinking it you won't yeah. worry that other people might be thinking something because actually you're going to feel really confident plus i'm going to make sure that we protect you from your grinding and clenching because what i can see is that there are times when you grind and clench your teeth because there's some wear and there's some chipping and i can see that on the lowers and a little bit on your upper centrals so not only we will get the teeth the way you would like them to be where you feel confident we will then keep them like that and protect them so that we increase the likelihood that in 20 years time when you're 57 and the girls are growing up and you're walking somebody down the aisle that you feel utterly fantastic because they're as good as they ever were the day we finished the orthodontics fantastic and that none of that was scripted by the way that that this is i purposely don't script any of these because we, we like these genuine conversations that's been that's eye-opening barry that's fantastic right. but can i just expand on that for a second right yes, because please. i'm not selling you anything other than what it is that's going to give you what it what you really desire which is yeah. confidence on camera knowing that i'm not being judged that i feel bloody great and by the way i want it to last for 20 years beyond yes what that means is that i'm not just looking to douse a fire i'm looking comprehensively to say right look mate in order to have that further down the line and this what you want in the short term i'm going to present to you a number of things that number one you have to do because there's disease and i'm going to color that plan red the things that are not diseased but are worn a bit knackered that you might think is worth doing at the same time because it saves you time effort energy it's all done in the same time. We get better contact points. We get better looking. It's, it's just worth considering. And we're going to color code that orange. And then we're going to have a green plan, which is maybe short-term orthodontics, whitening, filling gaps, enamelplasty, bonding, little things that are nice to have from a cosmetic point of view. I don't necessarily think you need to do any of that, but it's important I present that now because actually, if I'm going to be doing some changes in the red, very often the green is what we would start with. And what I mean by that is if you said to me, I'd like, I would like my teeth to be a little bit brighter. I'm going to do that first before I do the fillings in the red so that I can match beautifully the fillings in the red to your new white teeth. So I'm going to present three treatment plans to you. In our practice, 98% of people say yes to the red because it's disease. The 2% that don't are the ones that have elected. This is not the place for me or I really need NHS, we'll help them find somewhere. 68% of our pe people say yes to the orange, which is therefore where we've doubled our alley rate, 10x our profit, and about 56% say yes to the green. Interestingly, 32% say no, not now to the orange. And people go, well, what happens then? I'm like, I don't, so what? Here's yeah. the great news, that patient, knows what's around the corner because everything that's orange eventually turns red any clinician that comes into that business knows what's been presented because it's grayed out and it's there 
that the patient was advised, it's worth considering the five and the seven at the same time, but for whatever reason, maybe financial, maybe um, whatever reason, they elected not to do it. And then they're not surprised six months later when we present it. I'm not upselling. I'm not expanding. It's not selling them gap insurance and this, that, and the other, but I like the analogy. This is actually providing them with the solution of what it is they said that they wanted. And the biggest aha is them understanding what it is they want so that then I can serve that and they can then choose because then they choose what they want. We put the fourth plan together, which is everything they've chosen. And that's what we then deliver. Amazing. I mean, it, 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 it's fantastic because it's something that I think not not to a structure that you've you, you've clearly detailed there, but it's something I've accidentally fallen into because I analyze how when clients come join us, you know, what sort of conversations I've had before. And to give you an example here, uh, um, someone make it somewhat relevant to myself is when we, we, we took a client on and we spoke about his options and we spoke about the kind of a phenomenally high performing uh, associate. And we spoke about a number of different options and we said, this is the, this, these are things you can do. You know, the, the, these, you're almost red, amber, green um, is, he was like, well, my previous accounts never had this conversation with me. They're, I just sent him the numbers, they produce a tax and they gave me the tax and I paid the tax. I hate the tax every year, but I paid it because that's what I had to pay. No one actually took the time to go through my options. But from that, we've gone from um, saving him a shed load in tax to buying a dream home, to potentially investing in, into a dental practice as well. And then, you know, his desire to, to, to invest in watches at the same time. So all of that's now led from that initial conversation, but he's got the confidence to have to speak to me and say, Bilal, how about this? How about that? Now, what we tend to find is people that join us will end up invariably spending more with us, not because I'm unethical in the way, the way I approach things, but because they want more from me. And if they want more from me and they want more from the services we offer, there is a price attached to that but yeah. it's not, not based on an hourly rate it's based on how much time i think you need to get to that desired outcome and that that's how that's how we price our services and it's not for us it's not a land grab I mean, we deal with, i think with the marketing and everything we get the referrals probably deal with 10 new inquiries a week i've had to shut that down i've had to, I've had to, I've had to slow that down massively because we can't sustain that level of growth which is a really nice problem to have but i know my peers aren't having the same problem they've got the opposite effect where they're, they're trying to seek those clients out Conversely, if, a price, if, if, if the conversation all becomes about price, then we just say no to that business. Where, yeah, absolutely. But I know what my conversion rates are. And this is something you, you've, you've hit on there is the first no is going to hurt. So, you, you know, you follow Barry's system, the no is going to hurt. You think, hold on, Barry Thomas is going to double my revenue. This person said no, but it's statistics. You can't convert everybody. But what you can do is convert the people that you've got the opportunity to convert. But you need to know those metrics. So when we talk about doubling revenue, you know, revenue is for egos, profits for pros. So what we do want to do is not just chase revenue. We need to, we need to, we need to sustainably grow revenue, but also protect margin. Margin being how much of that revenue actually turns into cash in your back pocket, which is a conversation we had right at the start. So, because profit isn't a dirty word, and people think it is a dirty word, but you need to make profit so you can reinvest in yourself, so you're not burnt out, so you're not having the three days on holiday where your your flight or fight response has finally gone out of fight. And you've actually gone to gone to relax, and your body's just dumping all the all, all the junk out that it needs to yeah. needs to dump, which it, which is which is horrible. But it's almost a rinse and repeat. You five days, you two days, you five days, you two days. But realistically, and this is sort of edges into the associates is, if you're an associate, you could probably take these metrics in some way or form. And Barry's going to expand on that sh in shortly. But instead of working six days a week, you could earn more money in three days, which gives you better quality of life.
and it goes back to right what we're saying is don't worry about percentage but if you're doing all the work you're doing all the converting you're doing all the marketing you're doing all the, the programming for everything you're doing then you should be able to ask for a better percentage from your principal because if they're not on the same journey then you're doing all the work and you, you've doubled your gross you you deserve a bigger slice of that pie so it's almost it's almost two sides to the to the same coin here, same gold is doubling the revenue, but from different perspectives. If the practice is doing all the work, then the, then the percentage doesn't matter. But if the associate's doing all the work, and, and we move on to the next bit, then the associate should get the biggest slice of that pie. But the argument here is a switched-on principal will see a switched-on associate and want to know why they do it and replicate those behaviours. So it all becomes a win-win, and everyone's sort of pushing it in the same direction. I'm a lover of a sliding scale. Yeah, makes sense. The more you make, the more you make, the more you make. I can't get my words out. The more you make, the more we make, or the opposite way, which makes yeah. sense. So how does this work for associates and Barry? How how do we, how does this journey apply to associates? Because it's a very different journey. How does this apply? Because the challenges there are it's actually the, the not. But the support staff not. aren't yours. Doesn't honestly. So, um, the journey that I'm teaching is the same regardless. Okay. Right. Because 98% of the dentists in the UK work one dentist, one nurse, one room. Yes. Now, I am an exceptionally high grossing general dentist, right? I work one dentist, two nurses, two rooms. Okay. How is that possible? Because, so I can only ever be in one place. Yes. Um, and I, my aim, I joke. Um, when I do my lectures, that I'm the laziest dentist in the room. My aim is to do as little as possible. And then I pause for dramatic effect and say, of the things that other people can do. So I don't really talk to patients anymore. I'm bloody good at it. I design the systems and I design the questions uh, that tapped into human need psychology, but I don't operate that system because every conversation I'm having is preventing me from being productive, which is drilling a tooth. Yeah. So my team take impressions, scans, uh, radiographs, have the conversations, do the pre-op, the post-op instructions, do the consent. Um, they do everything that they are legally allowed to. And I, my aim is to do as little as possible that somebody else is capable, qualified and enjoys doing and as much as pos possible of the things that only legally I'm allowed to do. Yeah. In order to operate that, my patient will be in the diary for let's say 50 minutes. And I have two diaries, two rooms. So let's say that I'm seeing you as a new patient consult. Towards the end of our consultation, my next patient has been brought up next door yeah. and we have we have a five minute check-in process where my nurse is saying, so this is what we're doing today. And it's a reminder. We have our upfront contracts. They have good language skills. They put the topical on, they'll pre-scan or they'll take an initial impression, whatever it is I'm doing. I then say goodbye to Bilal. I leave you there where we have a three to five minute checkout process where it's a conversation of this is what we did. This is what we found. This is what we're doing next time you come in. And then they escort you down to reception where they hand you over beautifully and you are then booking your next one. So then I've gone in, I've given my local, I have to say I designed the CDIT, the comfortable dental injection technique. Have you heard about it? 
So my patients do not know they've had an injection. I designed uh, this injection technique by accident with influence from others. I then made it teachable. I've taught it in, in numerous countries, South Africa, most recently uh, under the shadow of the um, uh, uh, in Paris under the Eiffel Tower to uh, people from 60 countries, teaching them this very, my five-year-old could do this injection technique. So I go in, I inject, I'm using Articane, which means I can stop operating on the tooth within four minutes. Uh, I'm having that conversation, given my upfront contract. So I get on with the work. I do the work, I finish up. I literally metaphorically give them a kiss and a hug and say goodbye because my next patient has been in the chair for five minutes having the initial setup. Hmm. Then they have the three to five minute checkout. Then that gives my nurse time to thoroughly cleanse the room, sterilize everything, get everything down, do the instruments, go and cast up some models, make a couple of whitening trays or make a splint for me or go for a pee, make a cup of tea. It's a, it's, it's a busy day, but it's, I'm the one that is turning and burning because I'm between the two rooms, the girls I work with work extremely hard and it's extremely varied for them. So they're highly skilled, they're highly motivated, they get paid more because they're doing more, they do impressions, uh, photographs, x-rays, they do everything. The aim of the game is to make me as productive as possible. Now, in the real world, Barry, that doesn't happen because most people have one room, one nurse, one dentist. Yeah. So everything I teach is for that model, not my model. If you want my model, when you're in the mastermind, I'll come and help you introduce my model. So I've got a client at the moment, Paul. We're helping him. You know him. Oh, cool. Because I've introduced you to him. We're helping him set up our model of delivery with a two-surgery process. Um, but most of our clients are one-on-one-on-one. -on -one -on -one. So everything I teach is the same process whether you're a principal or whether you're an associate. With a principal, what I'm sharing ultimately when you join Mastermind, we have a culture deck, we help you create culture deck. We have a training portal where we tra train everybody in the team. We enroll all of their associates at a 50% discount to the associate uh, on Lynchpin because I truly believe to, to serve you, my principal dentist, if I can get your associates to double their production yeah. where hey what happens to you me and you fall in love because you're like he's training them he's getting them to earn more money and i'm just so i love that kind of side of it but it's the same process it's the same patient journey we have a six-star patient process patient journey and we teach exactly the same whether you're an associate or a principal we then will help principals leverage up to then train their team to free them up to do the more cost effective. As you know, if you have an Im a dentist doing implants and he loves doing implants or she loves doing implants, we want them doing more bloody implants. Yes. So what we're going to do is we're going to tweak that model so somebody else takes over what they're doing. Well, let's teach them the communication skills first, the love of the patient, so that the patient journey is even better than it was and then everyone's a winner. And then we free up somebody to double their time doing their implants, which starts to really make a financial impact. Amazing. So it's, it's, it's very good. It's, it, it's, 
it, you, I'm, I'm grinning because it's a similar challenge to what I have in my business, which is how do I now upskill my staff to have the level of conversation that I, I have with the clients? And I, and, I, and I love that bit, but there's only one of me. Um, and it's a scaling issue, which is, you know, we, we, will, we, we will just stop taking on clients to a certain point because I know the reason why people come to us. We can't keep offering that beyond a certain number, which invariably means my, my rate goes up because it's just, it's just the way it has to happen. So the bit that we've spoke about is there's a consistent approach between um, selling at a higher price point, selling at a higher value and, and, and really converting the patient's perception as to the services you offer from firefighting to solution building. Just, I just we... want to take you to task on something. It's not consistently say, selling at a higher price point. It's not. Sorry, I apologize. Yeah. And just to make that clear, right, because that's one of the obvious things. When you get into the mastermind, quick wins, one of the things I want you to do is I want you to put some prices up. I'm not a big fan of slapping 20% on every single price. I'm a big By fan. By selling of at a higher price point, I mean, I mean, taking your scale and polish because someone's asked for a scale and polish to now having those wider conversations, which means that patient is invariably worth more to you. That, that's what I meant by selling at a higher price uh, point. I love it. Uh, firstly, uh, scale and polish does not exist. There's no such thing. Okay. And I say that tongue in cheek. It's about language, right? Yeah. Would you Would you rather have a scale and polish or a hygiene therapy? Hygiene therapy every time. And if you have inflammation and bleeding and your scores are twos and threes, you're not going to have a scale and polish. You're going to have gingivitis therapy. If your scores are threes and fours, you're going to have periodontal therapy. So we use language to change the internal representation because most people remember the NHS and they had an exam scale on polish, which was very low value, very quick, not very comprehensive, and basically quick flick, any problems, no, off you go. So by changing the language that we use to our patients and really importantly, what we ultimately therefore use in our own heads changes the perceived value. Yeah. So for us, we don't do examinations. We do comprehensive evaluations. We do new patient consultations. We do hygiene therapy, gingivitis therapy, periodontal therapy, which, by the way, might be the same time frame, but it is a different fee. Mm -hmm. So when people are pricing hygienists on an hourly rate, no, because if you're going to do local anesthesia and you know half mouth root planing. That's a much higher skill set. I'm going to be charging 250 pounds an hour for that. If it's hygiene maintenance where they are BPEs of the couple of ones and mostly zeros and it's regular maintenance, we're going to be charging that. At, what would that be? I would say circa 98 to 100 quid. So it's the same person, but doing a completely different job. And so when we label it and we add value to it, that value is inherently transferred into what we're charging. And we are, I am very proud of our fees because we're doing hygiene therapy is different from periodontal therapy. Good man. So where does this take us then? So we, we go from, we go from the, the, the principal to the associate. What about the associate that wants to make that switch to principal? So if, if someone was going to open up a squat practice, so, so if, the reason why I ask this question is, is we, like I said, we have this question all the time is I want to go buy a practice. Um, so this, this, we really answer that question is how can you generate revenue or generate value in the practice you're acquiring? 
what if you were setting up a squat practice? What if you were going to go out, you know, put it on the block and say you've got faith in your ability and your skill? How how would what what guidance would you be able to give a squat practice owner or someone looking to go on that journey? Uh, so fascinating, great, timely question because I did very briefly confide in you that I am likely to be setting up a squat practice. Um, I sold my very briefly uh, ran my beautiful practice um, and I had a business plan. I, I took it just over a million quid. I had a business plan to take it from one to three mil in two years. Knew it was a no brainer. I had planning permission to um, build an office out the back, shift the office out to the back and create a videography room because I wanted to do more DSD and emotional dental journal journeys. Um, so I was looking really for a partner. Uh, and I happened chanced upon a corporate that said, we've got money, we'll invest. Yes, we want to support you in taking it from here to here. And I went, that's fantastic. Um, so they I sold to them. Um, they chipped me at the end, added an extra year on my contract, um, played with the percentage. Uh, and none of this is breaking any um, covenants that I'm currently under. Um, and then they um, decided to remove my who was a self-employed business manager who I was paying 300 pounds plus VAT a day for, and she was worth every single penny because she was phenomenal. And they put in, they hired a, a, a manager of a hairdressers to come and manage my bespoke practice when we told them throughout the whole due diligence that we did things very differently. And I was guaranteed that nothing would change. And when you've put in a manager of a hairdresser who then within the first week accused me of lying and stealing, stealing Botox. Um, things did change. And unfortunately, it reduced the turnover of the business. And unfortunately, I didn't get my earn out. But I am in a restrictive covenant. My contract ends on the 4th of July. And I have restrictions upon me. Uh, even though I own the building, I, I can't work within um, for six years within a certain distance. So I am now of that position of, you know, what's the next step for me? And quite honestly, I think the next step for me is to start a squat practice. I know how to run a beautiful, beautiful, patient-centric practice that is focused on the journey, the care, the love of the patient that then accidentally makes a ton of money because it's a symbiotic relationship. So how would I be advising somebody? Because what I confided in you is that I quadrupled my turnover of my practice that I purchased without any external marketing. And external marketing is not my forte. Yeah. So my simple answers are, number one, I would, and without blowing smoke up your backside, I would uh, be working out a business plan with you so that we had a really solid idea because I winged it 24 years ago. I would be enrolling with people that know how to uh, generate uh, SEO. Mm -hmm. I would be working with somebody that is really good at social media. Mm -hmm. um, I think, to be honest, I one of my guys that works with me is really good. His name is Tom. He does my social for the confident dentist. So I would be tapping into Tom and, or somebody like Tom of how to build that. 
I would have designed and had my patient journey systemized from day one so that every patient that came through the door absolutely had their socks knocked off with the care and the attention that we gave them. I would have a systemized approach to follow up. I trained with Cialdini's group in uh, the based in the States. Cialdini wrote the book Persuasion and Influence. And I utilized Cialdini's principles of influence to encourage my patients to recommend, refer and review. And so every patient that comes in is gold dust in a squat, because what I want is to take care of them and everybody they know and love and the nice friends and colleagues that they have. And I want to have a beautifully worded script that actually I just know what I'm going to say, but it comes out very fluid and with genuine integrity and congruence when I say to the patient that I really enjoyed looking after you. And honestly, it's been an absolute pleasure. And I would love to look after more people like you. Um, And for me to be here for you for the next 15, 20 years, it's really important that I'm building and I would really love your help to do that. So if you would please recommend your friends, your family, I I will give them the same care, love and attention that I've given you. uh, And I would be very, very grateful if you would do that. Would that be something you would be prepared to do? Invariably, I've given them compliments, genuine, and they go, yeah, of course. Great. What's the best way of doing it? How do I best support you in being able to recommend me? And so whilst I would want an external force helping me with the marketing and the social, I know that I am one of the best dentists in the UK. I know that I am one of the most caring people in dentistry that can generate a patient journey that knocks people's socks off, that will have people recommending 30, 40 new patients to me every single month. I just need to turn that tap on and be congruent. And anybody can do that. If you care about people, it comes through. If you care about money, it comes through. So get your pricing right, get an accountant, get everything of that sorted, and then focus on the people, the money comes. Focus on the money, you're screwed. Yes, so there's a very common theme with every single webinar, every single podcast, that, that, that I've done so far, which is, is two principles, is be so obsessed with the patient journey or your customer journey that you, 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 never, you never stop thinking about it. Now, and everything you do, it, everything you do has to answer that question is, am I buying a new bit of software because it, it makes my life easier or does it make the patient's life easier? If it makes the patient's life easier, we get that one. Does it, does it help me deliver a better outcome for the patient? Get that one. Because if you keep focusing on that, it's the, it's the some of the Amazon mentality is everything that their obsession with getting the 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 pay, the, the the customer for, for, for at the front and center. Now I worked at a logistics company where the back end systems were shocking. It was all tissue paper and sellotape, but the front end systems, anything that came anywhere near a, 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 a customer was beautiful, and we could make the back end work. Now what you're talking about here is a bit different to that, which is a, a, a holistic overview, which says everything is synergistically walking towards the right direction. I think I used two business buzzwords there, so I'll slap myself later. Is, but, but that's what we're talking about is, so the two, the two key principles here are, are be so obsessed with your patients or your customer's journey that everything you're doing is to, is to make their life easier. The second bit is love what you do, because if you love what you do and you love who you do it for, 
you'll make a killing. You will make a killing because people resonate with that. People will recommend your services. People will see the service you offer and will keep coming back to you. I am one of the easiest people in the world to sell to if you listen to what I'm asking you for. If I say I want these things and you can make those things as easy as possible for me, I will do it for you. I'm in the process of buying a new car and uh, I had a leasing company on the phone, bang, 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 we can do this, we can do this. And I asked them for a couple of other calculations because I was looking at a different car, I was looking at whether I lease or buy. And the guy just sort of went off and he went, well, I'm not going to do it for you. So I went back to the dealership and I felt a bit bad going away to the leasing company, but they gave me a really good deal. Is I went back to the, the B&W dealership, told them about the leasing deal and went, look, I can't beat that. I can't beat that. I can't beat their deal because they don't have our overhead. They, they don't have our overheads. But the guy's been fantastic. He's let us test drive whatever we want. He's given us the keys. Given us, let us go have a look at it. He said, you know, he'll he'll throw. Whilst he can't discount the price, he can throw a bit in with it. You know, even to the point where we were comparing two cars, my wife's one of my wife's biggest factors was, can we fit the pram in the back without taking the wheels off? And it was his car. He pulled it round, emptied all his stuff out of the back, and showed us that it went one in one. And you think, I, I, I don't care about the price anymore because now I know. If I have a problem with that car, I'm going to go see him, and he's going to he he and you you can you can see he was doing the right by it. not 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 because he's just trying to sell, but you can generally get an, an idea of, of someone's personality or someone's ethics that says, like invariably you're going to have an issue with the car. They're not infallible items, but I now have the confidence that when I go back, it will be sorted out. Whereas if it's a faraway leasing company who's who's selling on volume, it's just going to be terrible. It's not going to, it's not going to work very well. And and those are the two biggest principles that says if you love what you do and you love who you do it for, then you will become wealthy doing it. And that transcends dentistry, that trans transcends accounts, so that transcends any business, which is Everything. systemize your approach, have, have, have a business plan, have, have a process for what you're doing about, think about what you're doing and think about the steps everyone takes and how you can, how you can, how you can become super effective doing what you're doing. And that's, that's beautiful. 100%. Um, I, I wholeheartedly uh, align with what you just said about the guy um, in the car. He's not selling cars. No. Uh, he, he's selling solutions, right? And yeah. um, I believe for me, dentistry is just a big game. Now, I, I have to follow that up because there's these woke people on Facebook that will be like, oh, you can't say that. For me, going to work is a game, and the game is to knock the patient's socks off. Now, I just happen to be doing some teeth. I just happen to be really bloody good at it. And I happen to be really knowledgeable. I've spent over 400,000 pounds on my postgrad education. I've done all levels of Dawson Academy. I've been with Kois. Uh, I've been with all sorts of people. I went to Istanbul to Galip Garel's practice. I went to America and spent time with John Cranham at his practice. I have, I have been obsessed with having good mentors, but it is, just a big game of making somebody else's life better. Yeah. It's about knocking their socks off and doing it in a way that comes from a genuine love of people and wanting to help them achieve more in their life. Be that confidence, connection, love, avoiding rejection, whatever it is. And I think the beauty is that we live in a such a rich society of so many people that when I've set my stall out accidentally to do that, it is invariably ended up with attracting only people that want to have that. I'm not attracting the people that want a quick, a quick job and a, you know, the cheapest job. I'm not attracting 
grumpy buggers that want to complain. I've, I'm not attracting, you know, the wrong type of people. It goes with team as well. I seem to be surrounded by amazing team members who love and care for people who want the best for the patient. And it's all about the patient journey. And I think that when you live that game of knocking people's socks off, then you're right. Everything seems to kind of fall into place. So long as you have your autonomy, so long as you have an element of your independence and your ability to influence what's going on around. Now, as an associate, you can influence what's going on around in that one room. If you're in a toxic environment as a practice and you are trying to do your best to love the patients and do the journey, you know, change the man or change the man, try to influence the environment. And if not, get out. It's an associate's marketplace right now, you know, and my, my clients are finding it easy to recruit because they are oozing their love. And when we display that in a different way of how we market associates are like, well, I'm comfortable, but the grass looks greener over there. And it bloody well is. I'm it's hoping the wife can up after they're oozing their love, Barry, but, um, <laughs> So you've you've sort of taken my bait here a little bit because we've we've gone through the, the the three parts what we're talking about so you know how practices can double their revenue how associates can do it and the third part being um, squat practice which which is sort of the the, oh, brief, the briefly just before you move on to that one how how do they do that it's a twelve week program for associates amazing. that's drip fed once a week they get content and every two weeks they come on a live coaching call with me where I answer questions, find out what's working, and then help them implement the other stuff. With the principles, what I've become really good at is the mastermind, which is 12 months. But that's a high ticket entry. And so nobody, that's not true, not nobody starts in that. Most people don't start in that because they don't know me, they don't love me yet. So we start on a 12 week program. And I absolutely guarantee that they double their investment or they don't pay. Amazing. That's a no brainer, right? So if you don't double your money, you don't pay, but you have to bloody take action. You have to do the homework. You have to implement because if you implement, it works. It's a systemized approach, right? You know, you've got an engine. If you put the right fuel in and you turn it, it's going to start and that's it. But if you know you've got the right engine and you've got the fuel and you haven't put it in and you don't turn the key, it ain't going to start. Absolutely. And then you join the mastermind. Right. Go for it. What were you going to say? Sorry. Good man. I mean, accountability and ownership of your own journey is really key there. So, so the the, the third part was 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 the, the squat practice. The fourth bit then is what if I'm not a dentist? What what if I'm what if I'm flipping burgers? What you know? What about my business? So yeah, how? I mean, I, I know you don't know you don't know what under the hood looks like, but I've alluded to sort of the way we work. But we you know you you are a client of ours, so you, you've you, you've seen the way we approach things with what you apply in the the what you preach with the, the dentistry side of things, the dental practice side of things how would you apply that to what we do here at heath or green um almost identical in terms of um what i would be doing in the patient in the patient journey or the client journey clearly some of the touch points are slightly different um and the thing is that you you're already good at doing some of this stuff without consciously understanding the effect that it's truly having. Mm -hmm. Uh, We haven't had this conversation, right? So you find out for me, I would, I would be mapping out your client journey in the way that I've mapped 
hours out and we have um potentially 15 16 touch points you already do a lot of what i would want you to do but currently i believe you do it um not realizing yet actually the effect that it has for the client as much as the effect that it has for you because you're wanting to find out about them so you can serve it mm-hmm. but actually it's a journey of also discovery of helping them discover what's important because most people don't know i, I want money how much well i don't know you know i want to i want to buy this particular car why do you want to buy that particular car and once you actually go that little bit deeper then the service level is exactly the same is the reminder is the 20 year you already future pace people into the 20 year and and then helping people and coaching them is this choice going to get you closer to what it is that you want further down the line and if it isn't that's okay but just know that it isn't and, and what effectively that costs you, not necessarily financially. Um, mm. But this, and ultimately, my whole journey into this started with a sales training course where it was about building relationships, understanding consciously how you build rapport. Because the old way of building rapport was finding commonality, and it ain't that. It's about being more like. And you can do that consciously with somebody. So when you teach that, in any walk of life, whether you're a lawyer, a doctor, you know, a hairdresser, anybody, when you teach them the essence of human need psychology and an element of um, an element of influence and how to build rapport and how to use your language skills, what you should say and shouldn't say, how there are words in the English language that are hugely uh, powerful in driving people's decisions and choices this fits into any walk of life. Most of the people that come on my training say, Oh my God, I thought it was going to be about dentistry, but this has made such an impact to my personal life. And that fills my heart. And I don't go about going, you come on my training and your whole life is going to change. I can't say that because nobody's really looking to have the whole life change. It just is a natural knock on effect of when you learn how you process information, when you learn how to help understand how somebody's processing information by where their eyes move. So I teach eye scan patterns and you can understand how somebody's processing so that you can communicate more clearly. Yeah. And so these little subtle things are the same in any walk of life. What's massively interesting there, something you've said is how it benefits you beyond the thing that you thought you, you can't, you, you were coming in to get benefited for. So we had a very similar conversation with, uh, Millie Morrison about, um, Invisalign coaching and, and how, surrounding herself with people who are on a similar journey to her mentors has really accelerated their career. But the same, the same message came out of the conversation we had with Millie, which was she's massively passionate about what she does, massively passionate about what she does and has created a systemic approach to make sure the patient has the best outcome, but has taken those two things and now wants to help other dentists do it in the same way she was helped on that journey. And it's, it's, almost exactly the same thing but from a very different vantage point which is this is how barry did it barry's seen massive successes doing it and is now almost resetting himself he's built the practice he's sold the practice he's now about to do it again if, if, if he goes ahead with a squat but really it's taken that love and impassion uh, and, and passion for coaching your associates coaching your um your nurses your tcos to, to all go on that journey and i'm bottling that essence 
and giving it to, to other dentists because again nobody's teaching them this and how were they meant to access that information until they go on that journey of self-discovery but what you'll find is by doing all of that it does change your outlook on the world it does change like my my outlook on the world very much being an accountant trained accountant is two things we are trained to become skeptic trained to become skeptic skeptical so it's something about professional skepticism which is trust everyone check everything and if it can go wrong it probably will go wrong so you know where to look the other bit then is everything i look at is very process driven that says if someone talks to me in the language i understand which is step by step by step by step I'm, I'm 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 on board with the journey the bit that i tend to struggle with personally is the holistic the overview which is the love the 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 the, the, the intangible but if someone could distill that and said if you follow these steps the outcome is this i'm well with you on that journey and i think that that's what you've done that's what you're talking about isn't it is is finding that commonality finding that um finding how that person wants to communicate which is you do by building rapport and an understanding what they want which is a 20-year journey and then really delivering on what you promised so they've told you what they want now can you deliver it well it's also you're right on all points there's there's more steps in the whole process that we we haven't had time to understand and that is we all have these things called personality preferences people think that it's who we are but it's not it's how we behave and it's it it can be different in different scenarios, right? But what you have eloquently described to me is the way that you like to process information. I would say that you're predominantly something called auditory digital. That's somebody who likes processes. You're a bullet point man. They have certain criteria that need to be satisfied in order for you to be happy to proceed with something or purchase something or do something, right? Uh, I'm very kinesthetic. What that means is if it, it, and and my my sales strategy is, I would say VK, which is visual kinesthetic. If it looks good and it feels good, I'm having it. And you might say to me, so you were buying that car. Why do you buy that car? Because it looked good, felt good, felt amazing when I drove it, stuck like bloody glue, and it was freaking fast. What engine it's got? I haven't got a clue. We had this exact conversation. We, we've had this exact conversation, Barry. Right. We were talking about the same car from a very, very, very different points was it was it, it was blue. It was beautiful. It had a wing on it. And I, I, I went into the numbers. I went into the talk. I went to BHP. Yeah. I went to the gearing ratios. So this, is, so this is the key, right? Because if I am I'm going to serve you in any way, it would it would be best that I know how you like to receive information. 100%. Because if I present my way, Bill Al, it was blue. It was blue, beautiful, had a wing. You're like, sod off. I'm not interested, yeah. mate. But if I said to you, okay, I've done, I've done my research, I've got my list, and I go, it's this engine, it's this power ratio, it's blah, 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 and you're going, okay, I like the sound of this. Oh, by the way, it's blue and it's got a wing and it looks freaking amazing. Um, so part of the process with the relationship with the patient is finding out how they like to have information given to them. And when you present the information the way the patient wants, not the way you naturally do, which clearly can sometimes be the same because a lot of dentists are auditory digital uh but there's there's like there's only two the 68 personality preferences i only teach two because they are super powerful to either motivate or turn people totally on or you are accidentally invariably demotivating and turning them off and so when you become consciously aware that people process differently and you become consciously aware of how to understand how that person processes information. And then you present the information in the way the patient wants it. It's like, 
fireworks, mate. This is why they have such a high acceptance rate of choosing treatment because I've presented, you've, I've overcome all of your objections because I've given you everything you need. So Amazing. there's these little nuances that we haven't touched upon that as part of the patient journey, we need to filter those in. And then we make a record of that, of how much information do they require? How do they like that information given to them? How, what evidence do they like? Do they want to watch a video? Do the video need to be transcribed? Do they want to read a letter? Do they want to hold something? And then we deliver that in their model of the world. And it's, it blows them away. So Barry, let's wrap this up with, what are your top three tips for, for your, your, your life tips for business? So, so we're talking about doubling revenue, quadrupling revenue. What are, your, what are your top three tips to achieve that? Be obsessive and obsessed with your client journey. Um, and have it utterly dedicated to knocking their socks off. Amazing. Have somebody... That's number one. Number two, have somebody in your team that is obsessed with numbers because cash is king. It's all about cash flow. You show me a spreadsheet and I want to slip my wrists. I, it's just not my thing, right? But I want somebody on my team that is and knows it and, and can look after that, that, that keeps me on track. You know, I, I said to a client, a potential new client today, you know, she told me her figures, God, God bless, um, five dentists, uh, four opera trees, five dentists, two hygienists, um, nice part of the world. And they're, they're collectively, um, in those four opera trees, no, five opera trees, four and a half. So five opera trees. They have 25 potential working days because it's Monday to Friday. They currently have it occupied 18 days a week. Okay. So 18 days a week. So there's room for expansion. I work three days a week and I gross more than that entire practice does on 18 grows a week, 18 days a week. And she's telling me some of the issues, some of the problems. And I went, look, I need to give you some coaching with some love. She went, what? I said, the problem is you. Um, and the problem is that you don't know what you want. You don't know what your vision is. You don't know, you know, where you want it to be in 20 years. And so, and, and you're telling me that you, she went, no, you're absolutely right. I said, so that's the first thing we should do is we need to know your why, what you're passionate about. What is it that you really want? Where do you want this to be? Cause then when you begin to ooze it, feel it, sense it, that will come through to everybody else in your team. And so not just do you have to be obsessed with your client journey, not just do you have to have somebody like you who will be on top of the numbers, but you have to know your why. Yeah. You have to know what is it that when you're knackered, you get up and you get on. And that can be a multitude of things. For me, it's very much powerfully centered like you around my family, my kids in particular. And when you know your why, nothing flipping stops you but i also have a why not just for the business i have a why for my patients and my wife and my patients is i want them to have the best experience they've ever had and i'm yeah. very upfront a new patient comes in and i go right here's the thing i've got to tell you my 
my aim is to knock your socks off. My aim is to give you the best dental experience you've ever had. And they kind of look at me like, yeah, whatever. And I go, and when I do, that's a hypnotic suggestion. It's a presupposition. It's not if I do. It's an automatic that I'm going to do it. When I do, I'm going to ask two things of you. The first thing I'm going to ask is that you go out of here and you tell everybody it's the best experience you've ever had. And the second thing I'm going to ask you to do is recommend family, friends, and give me a five-star Google review. Is that okay? Amazing. Now, I believe that I've set the tone that I have now something to live up to. I have a why. My job, I've got to knock their socks off. I do it with my clients. You double your money or you don't, you don't pay because my success has to be based on your success. And if you're not successful, I ain't going to charge you for it. Amazing. And when you are successful, I want recommendations, referrals, and reviews. Do we have a deal? And they're like, well, yeah. So no brainer at that point, isn't it? Be passionate about the journey. Have somebody, if you don't know, if you're not a figures person, have somebody that is, and then know your bloody why, because that's why you get out of bed. Amazing. Barry, I've, I've massively enjoyed this conversation. Where can, where can people find you? Barryalton.com. Thank you very much, Barry. And I wish you the, have a great evening. It's been a, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for listening. Cheers. Thank you very Cheers, much. Mate.